The modern day dispute over Judea is what Jesus was prophesying about in Matthew chapter 24 when he mentioned the greatest time of tribulation or persecution the world has ever seen. We're watching the ongoing fulfillment of a 2,000 year old prophecy and we'll talk about it on today's edition of the End Time Show. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. I want to thank you so much for joining me on this edition of the End Time Show. And for those of you that are watching us on live stream, we're having some in-house technical difficulties today. And so uh, that's the, there won't be a live stream, uh, just to give you guys a heads up. But I do thank you for listening anyway. Now, the dispute over the settlements in Judea, it's all across the news today. And the dispute over these settlements in Judea or the, or the modern-day West Bank, they're setting the stage for the prophesied end-time peace agreement that marks the beginning of the final seven years, and it is part of the region that will face Satan's wrath or the Great Tribulation when he is bound to the earth three and a half years after that peace agreement. Now, these are some huge prophecies. The, the, these will some, be some of the most recognizable prophecies in the last 2,000 years, once these things occur. We're watching the ongoing fulfillment of that. We're watching the stage being set for these events to occur. This disputed territory here in the West Bank, that's what's going to lead to the signing of a peace agreement. And that's what eventually is going to perpetuate the Great Tribulation at least part of it, uh, especially that right there near Israel. Now, what are we talking about? Well, the Times of Israel has reported last week that Israel Finance Minister Bezalel Smotrich has announced that the Defense Ministry that the body is the body in charge of authorizing settlement construction has released its agenda for meetings this week where it will advance plans for 4,500 new settlement homes out in the West Bank. This is huge. A majority of the units will be located in the Jewish communities located deep in the West Bank, the biblical Judea, Samaria. And this is east of the security barrier in what will further complicate efforts to create a, a contiguous, viable Palestinian state. You understand, everybody, the international community says this is illegal. The Biden administration views this as illegal. The European Union views this as illegal. And, of course, the Arabs and the Palestinian view this as illegal. And so the decision approved um, at Sunday morning's cabinet meeting, which takes immediate effect, also dramatically expedites and eases the process for expanding existing West Bank settlements and retroactively legalizing some illegal uh, outposts. Consequently, the Palestinians, Arabs, and the international community, including the Biden administration, are outraged. Anybody who is outraged by this is anti-Israel and anti-Semitic. You say, whoa, 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 now Dave, hold on a second. 
Now, listen to me very closely. The, anybody who is against that is against God's promises for Israel to have a homeland there and all of the promised land. These people don't understand the Bible, or if they do, they don't care, because this property here was given to them by God 4,000 years ago. And we're going to talk about that today in great detail and show how this is all setting the stage for end-time events. Scripture foretells that this West Bank, or the Judean land dispute, in Israel will become a place of great tribulation in the near future. You can see the stage being set for that now. And that was all the way back in Matthew 24, uh, 15 through 21. So what's really going on here? Well, we're going to get off in depth into this today because you and I are being fed a very false narrative that Israel is illegally occupying this area. And they are not. What they're doing is very legal, but there are agendas being pushed, and we're going to talk about these. So, back in 1948, when the Jordanians invaded the West Bank in an attempt to destroy the the new nation of Israel, as soon as it was born, you understand Israel declared their independence on May 14, 1948, the very next day, uh, five countries invaded and in an attempt to destroy the new nation. They drove out every Jewish person living in the West Bank area, and consequently, there were zero Jews living there in the West Bank when Israel reclaimed the territory in 1967. Prior to that, I want everybody to understand, there were many Jewish settlements already out in the West Bank. Prior to uh, 1949, the Armistice Agreement. From 1949 to 1967, Jordan drove them out of their homes, but there were already many established settlements out there already. Okay, So when the Jordanians in 1967 were driven back into their own country, Jews began to return to their homes out there, and many other Jews built homes on unoccupied ground. Those homes multiplied into settlements and then ultimately became towns, that are referred to as settlements today. So prior to that, they had homes built in the region out there. As a result, there is currently, there's actually just over 800,000 Jews living out in Judea, Samaria today, and that would include um, East Jerusalem. So it is this West Bank territory where Palestinians want to establish their Palestinian state. The question is what to do with the Jews who live there. The international community says they're illegally uh, occupying that land, but that is absolutely not true. It's disputed territory because they were actually there prior to even the the, um, establishment of the state of Israel. So the ongoing conflict is setting the stage for the Great Tribulation and another Jewish Holocaust. And it's the prophecy of Jesus, which was found in Matthew 24, verse 15 to 18, and then 21, and which, which lets us know this. I've heard people say, well, the, the end-time peace agreement has nothing to do with a Palestinian state. Oh, no, it absolutely does. You have to understand the region, what's going on there, and we're going to get deep off into that into the program today because I want you to understand that illegal uh, Israel occupying that land is absolutely not illegal. But almost every news source today is telling you that it is. So I want to make sure you understand the truth because when the world community comes against Israel in this region, 
we need to stand behind them. So you need to understand that they are legally, they, these settlements are very legal. They're not illegal. And so that way the United States must stand behind them and back this, these efforts because they're very legal. I know there's going to be a peace agreement signed in the near future that gives the Palestinians a homeland. But the Jews that will remain there are legally living there. And you need to understand these things. So I want to make sure that you're not following the false narrative. And we're going to get into this because it's like, again, these will be some of the most recognized prophecies in the last 2,000 years. And I don't want to be duped by the international community or even a Biden administration or the European Union. Do you? A voice spoke to me and said, I've got something I want to show you. I was so sure God had talked to me. And I was stunned by what I saw. A direct fulfillment of this over 2,500-year-old prophecy. The United States will stand with Israel. Why haven't I ever seen this before? One-third of humanity will die. What do these beasts symbolize? The lion, the bear, the leopard. The combined beast from Revelation 13 represents the end-time government of the Antichrist. Understanding the end time. Now available for pre-order at endtime.com slash ABC. Go to endtime.com slash ABC or call 800-END-TIME. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to endtime.com slash future or call 800 endtime That's 800-363-8463. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End Time Show's TV and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com slash events to see when Dave will be in a location near you. Welcome back, everybody, and I want to let you know about a, our Menex Prophecy Conference. I'm going to be down in Vider, Texas, at the Eastgate Church. That's with Pastor Matthew Tuttle, and that's 18905 I-10, Interstate 10, and that's Vider, and I'm going to be there. This one's going to be a little different. I'll be there Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Monday night. Sunday morning, this is June 25. At 10 a.m., I'll be speaking on Understand the End Time. And these services are going to be evangelistic. So it's going to be a little different than our normal um, conference. And I've done a lot of these recently, and wow, we've had great moves of God. And um, people have been coming forward and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And if you've never done that and want to do that, uh, you need to do it. Uh, come to come to Vider this weekend. Make it make the trip down there. I mean, it would be a we've had great spirit, great moves of God, great moves of God in our on our Israel tour and 
Uh, wow, I mean, just if you want to have a great move of God and experience the presence of the Lord, come to these meetings. Um, so Sunday morning, 10 a.m., I'll be doing Understand the End Time. Sunday evening, that'll be June 25th at 5 p.m., I'll be going through some breaking prophecy news. And again, that'll be another evangelistic service. And then Monday evening at 7 p.m., I'll be going through the future according to Bible prophecy. And what a great time we're going to have down in Vider this weekend. So I invite you down there. And, um, of course, the Israel tour coming up October 4th through the 15th. You want to make sure you, uh, if you haven't been to Israel with us, or even if you have, uh, we've been having some wonderful, I mean, we had, I told you about a lady that we had healed of cancer. I mean, folks, listen to me, in 2023, healed of cancer when we baptized her in the Jordan River. She had a big knot on her neck, uh, which uh, a tumor, and it's gone. And she had uh, tumors in her legs that were as hard as baseballs. And now she said they've completely softened and it feels like muscle tissue. Now, folks, this is 2023. It's not, those miracles in the Bible are not just for people 2,000 years ago. Miracles can happen today. And it could happen to you down in Vider. Come to the Prophecy Conference this weekend. And if you need healed, Come up front. We'll pray for you and believe that God will heal you and believe that God will move on you. So October uh, 4th through the 15th, if you want to go on the Israel tour with us, come back. Um, call my wife, Jana, or call Brittany Motes here at End Time, 1-800-363-8463, and we'll get you signed up. They have to ticket in August. I know a lot of people are signing up already, so they've got a ticket in August. So if you want to go with us in October, uh, the weather's beautiful at that point. And so, um, look, looking forward to that trip. Now, the prophecy of Jesus in Matthew twenty four fifteen through 18 and 21. Jesus said, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Yes, folks, we can understand the Bible and the prophecies. Jesus said we could right here. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop, don't go back in and take anything out of your house. You hit the ground running. Neither let him which is in the field. If you're out working in the field, don't go back and get your clothes because there's going to be a great slaughter. Jesus said in verse 21, For then shall be great tribulation or persecution, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no nor ever again shall be. Listen, it's going to be worse than the Holocaust. It's going to be worse than the Spanish Inquisition. It will be worse than any time of persecution you've ever heard of. And... So in this passage here, Jesus is painting a picture of the Jews. He specifically tells us Judea. That's the modern-day West Bank today, folks. That's what we're talking about in the news right now, every day. It's where they're talking about building these settlements, these Jews living out there with the Arabs surrounding them in a new Palestinian state. So Jesus paints this picture of the Jews living under a hostile government in Judea. And that's the, again, you've got to understand that's the modern-day West Bank in the situation here. When the abomination of desolation occurs halfway through the final seven-year agreement, uh, which will be signed in the near future, the Jews living out in Judea, they're going to have to flee for their lives. This is a 2,000-year-old prophecy that's go, that we're watching happen right now. We're, it's, we're watching the stage being set for this. This event is going to launch the final three and one-half years called the Great Tribulation. Now... 
Isn't it amazing that the scenario that Jesus painted a couple thousand years ago is exactly what has been discussed in recent peace negotiations, in, and it's being discussed in the news every day, even in President Trump's deal of the century. Do you remember that? The Palestinians are contending that the only hope for peace between them and Israeli is a two-state solution. Now, you and I both know that that's not going to lead to peace. It's going to eventually... There's going to because they're never going to be satisfied until they get Israel out of the promised land, but that's never going to happen. So there's never going to be a complete peace, but there is going to be an interim deal signed. And then they also claim that um, their Palestinian state should be established in Judea, in the West Bank. So the United States, the European Union, the United Nations, they all agree that the two-state solution is the only viable solution to the conflict between the Israelis and the Palestinians. And Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has also embraced the two-state solution as the ultimate answer to the Israeli-Palestinian peace conflict. You remember um, Donald Trump's deal of the century. That is the most recent effort towards a, a peace deal. It was presented on man, when was, January 28th. Uh, that would have been 2020. And you remember the deal of the century on page 12. It got very specific. It said this, and I'm quoting, This vision is a fair compromise, and it contemplates a Palestinian state that encompasses territory reasonably comparable in size to the territory of the West Bank, Judea, and Gaza pre-67 borders. And it says, note, the map accompanying the Trump's peace plan shows the vast majority of the new Palestinian state will be in Judea. So they were offering, Donald Trump and um, Netanyahu offered them a Palestinian state. And it allowed the Jews that were living out there in the current settlements to remain in that Palestinian state. That's exactly what Jesus prophesied would happen. Jews living out there, you're going to have to run for your lives when um, you see the abomination of desolation. When you see the Antichrist standing at rebuilt Jewish temple proclaimed to be God, you're going to have to run for your lives. Don't, if you're out in the house, if you're out in the field, don't go back to your house to get your clothes. Hit the ground running. And in Matthew 24, 15 through 16, it states that there will be Jews living in Judea at the time of the abomination of desolation, and that's going to occur three and a half years after the Israel, Palestinian-Israeli peace agreement is signed. Now, back to the Donald Trump's deal of the century on page 12. The Israeli population located in enclaves, I'm quoting here, that remain inside contiguous Palestinian territory but that are part of the state of Israel shall have the option to remain in place unless they choose otherwise and maintain their existing Israeli citizenship. This describes the Israelis living inside the new Palestinian state being able to stay there while still being citizens of Israel. And these recent proposals are exactly the arrangement Jesus prophesied that they would be 2,000 years ago in Matthew 24. We're seeing the stage set for this, the fulfillment of this prophecy right now, folks. But the question is, who is right? That's, that's the question we need to ask with all these news stories flying around and the, the propaganda by the United Nations, the international community. <gasps> Those are illegally occupying. No, they're not. Make sure you understand, because it will determine which side you're on in the future. You need to know the truth. So who's right? Does Israel have a stronger connection to the land than the Palestinians? 
Or is Israel occupying the region without just cause? I mean, these are the questions you need to ask yourself. And generally, in, in the law, when there is a land dispute, a title search or a, a land grant provides the answer, right? Well, in this case, the rightful owner is clear if the Bible is taken seriously. In your mind, you need to make up in your mind, who's, who's telling the truth here? Who actually owns the land? Where'd they get it? Where'd they get the land contract or a deed? Who'd that come from? Well, that's why you better know your Bible, folks. So let's talk about this original land grant. The Jewish link to Israel dates back over 4,000 years when God told Abram to take his wife, Sarai, their, and their family members and all of their possessions and go unto a land that I will show you, Abram. That's back in Genesis 12.1. Well, God sent them to a region at that time known as the land of Canaan. That's Genesis 12, 5. But then in Genesis 15, 18, once Abram passed uh, into Canaan, God appeared with a promise to him and his seed saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land. From the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Now we're going to find out later on that he gives this to his lineage, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's a specific lineage that God chose. He could have had 50 sons, but God specifically chose through this certain lineage. Now, obviously, he didn't have 50 sons. I'm just giving you a for instance here, but I'm saying if he did, God still would have said, No, Abram, I told you, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and that lineage. Now, in Genesis 17, 7 through 8, God said, I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. So the promised land given to Abraham by God and through the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it is an everlasting covenant. It is still just as viable today as it was 4,000 years ago. And... The Bible says, And I will give unto thee and to thy seed the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession. I will be their God. So the land grant from God to Abram and his descendants sounds clear enough and is unmistakable, right? If you believe the Bible. So why of all the wars and the boundary disputes and, you know, it, it, the, the, the age-old question is, which descendants was God referring to? The Jews or the Arab Palestinians? Because that's the question in the... Actually, the, the international community has already made up their mind. But this is the question we need to be asking them. Who really did God promise that to? So let's talk about Abram's descendants. You know, as Bible scholars know, Abram's wife Sarah, Sarah was barren... And the promises of God seemed impossible to her, right? I mean, after waiting uh, 10 years for children, after the promise, Sarai offered her handmaid, Hagar, to Abram. That She said, that I may obtain children by her. That was Genesis, uh, man, that was like uh, 16, Genesis 16, I think verse 2. So Hagar bore Abram a son named Ishmael. Well, present-day Palestinians trace their roots as descendants of Abraham through Ishmael and claim that God's everlasting covenant with Abram and his seed was referring to Ishmael. Thus, the land belongs to them. 
it would be difficult for anyone to dispute that Ishmael was Abraham's descendant, right? I mean, you guys know the story. Abraham did have a son through Hagar named Ishmael. So there's no denying that. However, the rightful heir to the land is resolved by further reading. If you look at down in, if you go over to Genesis chapter 17, when Abraham was 99, God appeared and confirmed to him his covenant with him and his seed again. And he changed his name from Abram to Abraham. And he changed Sarai's uh, name to Sarah. And he promised her a son at the age of 90. So when Abraham heard this, he questioned God and he and he even tried to help God accomplish the promise, right? And he he tried to he tried to actually persuade him to choose Ishmael as the promised seed. <laughs> you know, that's funny because he was trying to help God accomplish accomplish the promise, even though God created the earth that Abraham was standing on. You know, as that as though God needed his assistance. But nonetheless, God made it very clear to Abraham that he was still in control. Genesis chapter 17, verse 19 through 21 says, And God said, Listen to me, Abraham. Sarah thy wife will bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, yes, I've heard you. Behold, I've, I'm going to bless him, and I will, I'm, I'm going to make him fruitful. I will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. But listen closely, folks. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. Now, there it is right there, folks. God said, I understand Ishmael, which is the Arabs over there today. But I want you to understand the promised land from the great river, from the river in Egypt all the way up to the great river, the river Euphrates, I'm going to give that to your lineage. You, Abraham, your son Isaac, Jacob, and his descendants from then on. So over time, though, and that did happen, but over time, Abraham's descendants temporarily lost possession of their land, right? I mean, do you remember the story? And what I'm going to do, it looks like it's I'm coming up to a break now, but it looks like it's going to be the latter part of the program. I'm going to take you through a, a quick history of um, this, what, what happened to Israel and how we got to the point where we are today. We're going to go through some history. We're going to bring you up to today, and I'll show you, I will prove to you, all the different scenarios that happened, what happened to Israel, how we got to where we're, we are now, what happened to the international community? Because this is a big question that needs asked. Because we're going to, in the end time, folks, we're going to be facing an Antichrist figure. And we need to know where we stand. Do we stand with Israel or do we stand against her? I mean, if she's illegally occupying a region, then we shouldn't support that, right? But that's simply not the case. She is not illegally occupying that. It's disputed because the Arabs over there are disputing whether she should be there or not. But she had people, Israel had homes there before 1948. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God. 
I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself. You are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is. That's where our reward is. End time is not going anywhere. symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, The Unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME. Or go to endtime.com. Okay, everybody. So we're walking. I'm trying to explain to you who this disputed territory, the West Bank, who, who owns that? I mean, was there a deed? What happened? What's going on with the international community? How, the, how did the United Nations get involved? What about the British mandate? What happened to that when Israel declared independence, uh, their, her independence? Shouldn't she have had access? Shouldn't the Jews already living out there in the West Bank region in, the, in Judea, shouldn't they have been allowed to stay there? I mean, what happened to them? How did we get to the point where we're at today? Okay, so let's explain that. This, If you look at um, history, it shows that Isaac's son, Jacob, had 12 sons, and that became the 12 tribes of Israel. You understand the wrestling match between Jacob and the angel, his name was changed to Israel, right? Well, he had 12 sons. Those are the 12 tribes of Israel. There was a famine in Canaan that drove Jacob and his 12 sons and their families to settle in Egypt. And you understand the story of Joseph and how they ended up down in Egypt? Well, this was where their descendants were forced into slavery for 400 years. Now, I'm not going to go through all these stories, but uh, most of you already know them anyway. But they ended up down there for just over 400 years. God chose Moses to lead Abraham's descendants out of Egyptian slavery. This was the, uh, the story of Exodus, the Exodus story. Um, and, and, but they wandered through the wilderness. They're led by a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. And they go through the Red Sea. They go through many things. God rains a quail and manna down. He feeds them. He sustains them all through the, their time in the wilderness. But there comes a time when Moses dies and Joshua leads the Israelites back into Canaan. Remember, Abraham was there originally. But they, had, they went away. They went down into Egypt. But then they're coming. Joshua's going to bring them back into Canaan land. And there they, process, they, they repossessed the promised land and established the sovereign nation of Israel. Well, over the next several centuries... The Israelites enjoyed periods of peace along with times of war, and they were inhabiting and being they were inhabiting and then they were being driven from the promised land. This had, read the Old Testament, it happened all throughout the Old Testament. Well, while routinely referred to as the Palestinian land today, at no point in history 
has Jerusalem or the West Bank been under Palestinian Arab sovereignty? That's very important that you know that. Prior to World War I, Israel, Jordan, and the West Bank were provinces of the Ottoman Empire. Well, it's, I want you to make sure you understand that about the Palestinians. They do not have a nation today. Now, they're saying, well, this is our land and this is our nation. No, no, they've never had a flag. They don't have, they don't have a nation. And I guess they do have a flag, but it's, it's not a, they, they don't have a nation, I guess. I mean, just because you have a flag doesn't mean you have a nation, right? But they don't have a, they don't have a flag today. Or, I'm sorry, they don't have a nation today. They're not a part of the United Nations as a nation. Now, well, uh, let me see here. So we're back at what? I guess prior to, prior to World War I, let's start there. Israel, Jordan, and the West Bank were provinces of the Ottoman Empire. Remember the Turks. Well, during World War I, British-led Allied troops captured that area from the Turks. And... In 1917, the British ended 400 years of Turkey's Ottoman rule of that region, and the Allied forces divided that territory into countries. Uh, British Foreign Minister Lord Balfour, he recognized the Jewish historical link to their homeland. In, In the Balfour Declaration in 1917, he pledged support for the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people. So the British divided the air, that area, the Palestine region, in two districts. The Arab-Palestinian era called Transjordan. And that was a territory east of the Jordan River and was three, mile, three times as large as the territory granted to the Jewish Palestine, the area west of the Jordan River. Well, in 1922, the League of Nations established the mandate for Palestine And it provided for the establishment of a national home for the Jewish people on the land where they had this historic connection. You understand, it goes all the way back to Abraham. But under the Ottomans of World War I, Jewish settlements, listen to this. I'm sorry, both under the Ottomans and after World War I, Jewish settlements existed in places like um, down in the south in Hebron, Gushetzion, I just stood there the other day and taught. Uh, in, and that would be in southern Judea and Nevyakov, which is north of Jerusalem, all in what is now the West Bank. So they had homes out there for years and years prior to 1948. It's important you understand that because the international community today says, oh no, when they took over, when they conquered uh, Jordan and drove them out in 1967, they forced Jews to go out there and live. No, they were going back out voluntarily occupying the homes that they had prior to 1948 and 49. Okay? They went out there voluntarily. They weren't forced to go back out there. So from 1919 to 1946, the Jewish population in their homeland rose from 85,000 to 678,000 due to their immigration from Russia, Poland, Hungary, Germany, and many places around the world. Well, as for the Arabs, sharing the land with the Jews, that was not an option. They launched never-ending attacks on the Jewish Palestinians and in an effort to drive them out. The British tried to maintain peace, but finally they had enough and said, we are done. And they turned turned over the Jewish-Arab matter to the newly formed United Nations in 1947. 
Well, if you remember, UN Resolution 181 called for the Jews to give up even more land in order to establish an Arab-Palestinian state next to a Jewish-Palestinian state with Jerusalem to be under international administration. Arab leaders rejected the plan because they wanted all of Palestine, both east and west of the Jordan River. Even though more of the land was taken from them, the Jewish leaders accepted the plan. And on May 14, 1948, the Palestinian Jews, you know that whole region was called Palestine. Uh, the, the Jerusalem Post used to be called the Palestine, Palestine Post. So the Palestine Jews declared, and this was um, May 14, 1948, the Palestinian Jews declared their new state of Israel, declared their independence, and its citizens known as Israelis. Now, this is very, very prophetic, you understand. The Ezekiel 37, the gathering back together of Ezekiel's boneyard. This is a direct fulfillment of that prophecy. Israel's celebration, though, was short-lived. It was one day. (laughs) The next day after they declared their independence, five surrounding Arab nations invaded Israel, claiming the Jews were interlopers that Europe forced on the Arab nations after World War II. Secretly, I'm sorry, Secretary General of the Arab League, Azam Pasha, he declared, This will be a war of extermination and a momentous massacre. Well, to the contrary, it was the war of independence. To the contrary, and in what seemed to be the impossible, when the war ended 19 months later, Israel survived. Egypt occupied the Gaza Strip and, well, I should say they survived and um, Egypt and they occupied the Gaza Strip and Transjordan occupied Uh, Judea, Samaria, the West Bank. So, in 1950, Transjordan formally merged the West Bank, granted the Palestinian Arabs full citizenship, and renamed itself Jordan. That's the country of Jordan today. As a result, the Arabs received 85% of original Palestine. And from 1949 to 1967, all of Judea, Samaria, portions of Jerusalem and Gaza were 100% under Arab control through the Egyptians and Jordanians. It was ample land on which to create a Palestinian state, wouldn't you think? I mean, but they weren't satisfied. So they made no effort to establish a separate state for the Palestinian Arabs, even though they had control of it. You understand that? They just The only thing they had in their mind was, we want Israel out of here. They didn't try to create a state then, when they had control of it. Think about that, guys. Now, instead, in 1967, Egypt, Jordan, and Syria launched yet another war to eliminate the state of Israel. After six days of fighting, and um, it it was a stunning military victory over her aggressors, Israel captured territory several times larger than the 1948 borders. They had the Sinai Desert from Egypt. They had the West Bank and all of Jerusalem from Jordan and Syria's Golan Heights. So in the 1967 war, after Egypt committed this act of war and the Arab nations joined in, Israel captured all of Judea Samaria. Very, very important. After the 67 war, many of those settlers returned to established communities that had existed prior to the War of Independence. They were going back to take their homes back that 
that Jordan had driven them out, they were simply going back there and taking their homes and their land back. Okay? It's a big difference from what you're being told in the news right now. The international community wants to spin that, oh, no, they're illegally occupying that land in the West Bank. But, folks, that is absolutely not true. That is a total false narrative by the international community, by the Biden administration. You remember uh, Resolution 2334 that was in the lame duck session between Obama going out, Donald Trump being inaugurated, Obama and the Obama administration allowed that UN Security Council resolution to pass that said Israel, them occupying uh, East Jerusalem and the West Bank, is a flagrant violation of international law. That is absolutely not true. Some people hear that in the news and they think, well, they're illegally occupying that. No, they absolutely not. They're not. And so... At the end of the 67 war, they simply went back there to inhabit the homes that was theirs prior to 1949. Remember uh, Article 49 of the Geneva Convention. It does not apply because neither the Palestinian Arabs nor the Jordanians had sovereignty over the West Bank. The lands were disputed territory into which the Jews had the right to settle, whether under the mandate for Palestine or because the settlements prior to 1948, and the Jews' historic connection to the land. Remember the land grant we talked about originally. God gave them that territory, folks. They have had a presence there ever since Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD. Did you know that? There have been Jews in that land. Now, most of them were driven out, but there have been a presence there. Um, Edo Kenan, our guide to Israel, he has been our guide for many, many, many years, and... He can trace his family back seven generations living in Israel. Seven generations. So they've had a presence there for years and years and years and hundreds of years. Well, there are Jews that can trace all the way back to 70 A.D. They've had a presence there the whole time. So even if the Geneva Convention applied Article 49 was adopted after World War II with the intention of protecting against the enslavement, forced labor, and extermination of the population. So it prohibits forced movement. The settlements by the Jews, remember, they were voluntary. They were simply going back out there to inhabit the land that their, maybe their parents owned property out there, or uh, they wanted to occupy the land. They went out there voluntarily. They were not pushed out there. So they were not... Um, It was not forced movement. So it's very, very important that you understand these different terms and things that happen when we talk about Israel and do we support Israel? What should we? Are they illegally occupying that? No, they absolutely are not. But that's what you're being told in the news every day. And I want to make sure you know the truth because we want to support Israel in the future. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online with End Time Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. 
You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. You know, everyone, this is a very important topic because of our efforts to help Israel in the end time. America needs to get uh, away from this, uh, like the Biden administration. They need to stop saying that. Oh, that's they're illegally occupying that. Come on. That's absolutely not true. It's an agenda that's being pushed in our world. Satan is the driver behind the world governing efforts. He hates Israel. So they've all bought into that, and they're trying to push those false narratives. But everybody needs to know the truth here. I mean, the, the, the bilateral agreements between Israel and the Palestinians, they don't contain, there's, there's no prohibition whatsoever against the building or expansion of the settlements. The agreements specifically reserve the issue of settlements for permanent status negotiations. The agreements also recognize Israel has exclusive jurisdiction over the settlements pending permanent status agreement. So the issue of settlements, it's, it is very complex, and, but it's only going to be resolved through negotiations, not the international community saying, that's illegal, because it's not. And both Jews and Palestinians, they have legitimate claims and connectivity to this, this ancient land. And the Palestinians, the Jews, Netanyahu has actually said, I, I'm okay with a two-state solution, but we've got to have defensible borders. The Jews are willing to trade land for peace. I saw an article today where Ehud Barak was talking about uh, giving much of the Temple Mount years ago with Bill Clinton, and this was an absolutely true article, that Ehud Barak was willing to give them most of the Temple Mount and uh, major portions of the, of the West Bank. That was back under Bill Clinton, but Yasser Arafat, he just absolutely said no. And he was offering them not everything they wanted, but a large portion of what they wanted, and they said, no, we're not going to take it. And so this is all pointing us straight to this final scenario that's going to happen. So Israel's right to exist. Well, yeah, it's Israel. Israel has a right to exist in the promised land. For centuries, Israel has fought to preserve her God-given borders. She has tried to negotiate land for peace uh, with her enemies, has withdrawn from the borders God promised to Abraham and his rightful descendants. I mean, consider Gaza. Gaza's part of the promised land. But yet, Ariel Sharon gave Gaza back to the Arabs uh, years ago, and look what happened. I mean, a lot of the rockets that come into Israel come from Gaza now. I mean, it's been a, it's been a mess. So... Israel has withdrawn from its borders God promised to Abraham and his rightful descendants. And they've been attacked repeatedly by surrounding Arab nations. They they participated in Middle East peace conferences, signed agreements to work toward a two-state solution with the Palestinians, and yet the world still debates Israel's right to exist in her homeland. And folks, that's, that's just preposterous. But Israel's right to exist does not come from the Palestinian Authority. It doesn't come from the United Nations, and it also doesn't come from an American president. Israel does exist because God Almighty says so. 
God's promise to Ishmael was only for a nation, not for the nation of Israel. God's covenant with Abraham and his descendants through Isaac was for the land. Israel cannot illegally occupy land that legally belongs to Israel in the eyes of God. Folks, God is the ultimate, the supreme authority here. It's not the United Nations. It's not the United States of America. It's not Europe. It's not China. I saw where China was willing to um, help the Israeli-Palestinians negotiate a peace agreement because they didn't see America as a, uh, a, a, um, a fair interlocutor, interlocutor now. Well, or I should, uh, let's say, negotiator. And so there's a lot of people that have, you know, irons in that fire, right? But really to sum it all up, Israel's settlements are legitimate and Israel has the right under international law to build them. So what do the prophecies say? I mean, let's, let's kind of tie all this together. The Bible prophesies a peace agreement is going to be reached between the Israelis and the Palestinians. I know it seems impossible, but that's what's going to happen because the prophecies always come to pass. When that agreement is signed... It's going to trigger a seven-year period that will culminate with the Battle of Armageddon, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Some of those provisions in that agreement, yes, there is going to be a Palestinian state created in Judea, and it's referred to today as the West Bank. The Jews living out in that new Palestinian state, they're going to be permitted to stay there, living as a Jewish minority in that, under the reign of a Palestinian government. Again, I know that sounds impossible, but that's what the Bible says is going to happen. The Temple Mount is going to be placed under a sharing arrangement. That's Revelation 11, 1 and 2. There was just recently a member of Knesset. His name is Halevi. And he proposed sharing the Temple Mount. He said the uh, Muslim walk, the, the Muslims could have the uh, southern end, with, uh, the lower portion where the Al-Aqsa Mosque is, and the Jews could have the northern portion where the Dome of the Rock is. That's what he proposed. I mean, just within a, a couple, two or three weeks ago, folks. And that's Revelation 11, 1 and 2. Whether his proposal will be the one, I don't know, but it's going to happen at some point. And there's going to be uh, the international community. Will It looks like they'll eventually supervise that arrangement, a sharing arrangement up there. And negotiations concerning the status of Jerusalem, they're going to reach an impasse, folks. I mean... And there's going to be a final agreement on this issue. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's sign a peace agreement here. We're going to leave the, uh, the status of Jerusalem till the very end. But Israel, through the final seven years, is going to remain in control of all of Jerusalem. That's Zechariah 14. When uh, the Battle of Armageddon happens, half of the city will be captured. That means she's been in control of the entire city all the way through. And the Jewish temple is going to be completed during the first three and one half years of that final seven-year agreement. And then when the temple is completed, the, the Jews are going to begin animal sacrifices like they did um, back in the Old Testament. And, of course, them killing uh, of the animals, that's going to be met with outrage by, you know, by many people around the world, not just the animal rights activists. And by that time, the Antichrist is going to come on the scene He's going to cause a sacrifice and the oblation to cease. He's going to stand in the temple proclaiming to be God. And I want to bring something out here very, very, because there's a lot of misconception about this. So at the abomination of desolation, when the Antichrist stands in a rebuilt Jewish temple and proclaims to be God, 
That's halfway through the final seven years, three and a half years in. That's going to trigger an outbreak of violence by the Palestinians against the Jews that remained in that newly formed Palestinian state. This is what Jesus was referring to in Matthew 24. Jesus says that this outbreak of violence is going to be the beginning of great tribulation. And the Jews in Judea will have to flee for their lives or be slaughtered. Now, I want you to understand very clearly here, if we're talking about a timeline, this is when Satan loses the war in heaven. Go to Revelation chapter 12. When the abomination of desolation happens, that's exactly the time when the Satan loses the war in heaven and is bound to the earth. Right there at that three and a half year mark. This is Revelation 12, 12 through 14. Um, <clears throat> the Bible says, hey, Satan's lost the war. Therefore, rejoice you that are in heaven and, you, and those that dwell therein. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, because the devils come down unto you having great wrath, because he knows that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman, which in, the, in Revelation 12 is, the, is Israel, which brought forth the man-child. And the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for time, times, and half a times from the face of the serpent. That time, times, and half a times is the three and a half years, the same three and a half years that Jesus prophesied would be the great tribulation. The great tribulation is the wrath of Satan, not the wrath of God. Many people uh, misinterpret that. And that's where they get a pre-post-trib rapture from, a pre-trib. They believe there's going to be a final seven-year period, and that's the wrath of God being poured out. There are no scriptures in the Bible for that. The final seven, the final seven years, there is a final seven years. Daniel's 70th week. The final three and one-half years of that is what I just read. That's going to be the great tribulation. That's going to be the wrath of Satan. God's wrath is not poured out until the very end of the great tribulation. The way I know that is because the first vial of the wrath of God is poured out upon those that receive the mark of the beast during the tribulation. So it can't happen until the very, very end. And they're poured out at the Battle of Armageddon. So a lot of people, they, they misinterpret that and they say, well, hey, we're not appointed unto God's wrath. That, that's absolutely true. We're, the church is not appointed unto the wrath of God. I totally agree. That's the Bible. But the wrath of God is poured out at the very end. Most of the vials of the wrath of God are poured out about, uh, against the, on the armies that came down against Israel to battle at the Battle of Armageddon. So, listen at this real closely. The Bible says that the, the uh, dragon will come down and he will persecute the woman and those that have to testimony of Jesus Christ. That's Revelation 12. Well, in Revelation 13, what about this power? Who's going to be doing all this persecuting? The Bible says, uh, when it talks about the world government and the Antichrist and the dragon, this is Revelation 13, 2 through, down through about 5. And the dragon gave him his power, seat, and great authority. Satan is the principal driver here. And I saw one of the heads as it was wounded unto death. His deadly wound was healed, and all the world wandered after the beast. It's the world government and the Antichrist. And verse 4, And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And in, and in verse 5 it says, And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given to him to continue forty and two months. Folks, this is the exact same three and a half year period as the Great Tribulation spoken of by Jesus Matthew in Matthew 24 and the three and a half year period spoken of in Revelation 12, 14. When Satan comes down having great wrath 
and he persecutes the woman with 12 stars around her head, which is Israel, and those that have the testimony of Jesus Christ, which is the church. Satan is going to do the persecuting through the false religious system and the false uh, world governing system in the end time. And the Bible says that uh, power will be given unto him by the dragon. It dragon is he his pouring out his wrath in the earth. It's the greatest time of persecution the world has ever known. But the church will be here all the way through this. I, I wish I could sugarcoat it somehow and say, well, you know, I know it says all this stuff, but the church is actually going to be gone. But I can't tell you that. And I, I mean, I don't know how to sugarcoat stuff. And so... And believe me, I have friends that teach a pre-tribulation rapture. But I'm just telling you, the, the, the Bible says the church will be here through all this. How's Satan persecuting them that have the testimony of Jesus Christ if those that have the testimony of Jesus Christ are gone? So we need to understand and get the tribulation right. I'm, I may do a program here before very long on the great tribulation because it's spoken of many times in Scripture. Daniel chapter 12, Revelation 12, 14. Um, Matthew chapter 24. And so we need to talk about these things. What's the difference in Satan's wrath and God's wrath and, and the great tribulation? And what's going to be the, the end time scenario here? And what about this Judea, the modern day West Bank area? And what's true? Who really should? Is it illegal for Israel to occupy that land? Should we be supporting them pulling out? No, absolutely not. It's totally legal in the eyes of God and should be in the international community for them to, to, um, to inhabit that land. So, I just want to kind of clear up some misconceptions today because there are so many articles in the news about, well, Israel's going to fast-track uh, settlements being built out in the West Bank. They absolutely have the legal right to do that, folks. And I don't want you to be fed any false narratives. There's too much false narratives going around, right? Fake news? Well, we want to make sure that you know the truth especially about Israel in the end time. God bless. 